Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. Coming around the uh, home stretch here into Thanksgiving weekend. Because we are we cover the dumbest sport in the world, college football. What happens on this weekend? Ryan Nanny joining us from beautiful Brooklyn, New York. What happens on this weekend? This weekend upcoming or the one previous to? No, the, no, 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 no. This weekend upcoming. I just want to frame this for everybody. Oh, oh, what a, oh what a, well. What a dumb sport we cover. Well, we get, I mean, we get the most important game of the year, Texas, Texas A&M. I, actually, that's... That that game hasn't occurred for several no, years. No, that's but why wouldn't it? Those are two teams that you know you see, you have see, have they, have no love lost for one another. It's a tradition actually, and two two prestigious powers with uh-huh. uh, just delivering excellent seasons every year. Um, sure, their fans are constantly jawing online. I don't. Why would they do that if they're not rivals, Spencer? Right. This is this is when I hand the ball to Ryan, anticipating that he's going to take several productive dribbles. And progresses closer to the basket. Oh, instead, I'm sorry. Was, was this a toss sweep on the goal line? Like, <laughs> oh! like instead, like Stefan Marbury, the ball's just going. It's just shooting deep threes. What I wanted you to say is that that we have rivalry weekend, which is cool, and also this that what else is happening on rivalry weekend? Oh, Thanksgiving, a national holiday. Well, yeah, but th- I mean sh- that's when we get to watch Texas, Texas A&M because again, it's a it's a cherished tradition. It's just that, you know, Texas Texas isn't feeling well this year, so playing the role will be LSU. Oh, that's one way of looking at it. And, you know, if you think of it as, you know, a uh, former national champion that can't quite get back to that level, school that has recently fired its coach, uh, I mean, the parallels are there. Texas, Texas A&M to LSU with t- as... Texas proxy is like dumping. We just, need, we, we just need Harry Connick Jr. to play the uh, McConaughey role for LSU. Well, it's, right. close, no, it's, this is... it's closer than you think. I mean, ignore the culture. Look at the product. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's a little closer than I think, but LSU is like Texas's sketchy, well, bro- sketchy brother. Right? I mean, if we're talking institutionally, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's all that much sketchier, man. I mean, like the less miles firing drama. Listen, Mac Brown did that shit. Mac Brown did that shit uh, right now. Currently, Charlie Strong is unofficially fired, but everyone knows he's fired. This, I mean, man, Texas has got some LSU in him. You know who doesn't care about this is Charlie Strong. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he does. Really does. He does. You saw the press conference. Dude oh, cares he, a lot. Oh, he I think cares. It's easier he to cares. take if we tell ourselves he doesn't. Okay. No, he, he's, he knows. I don't understand what this fake drama about... Well, is he fired or not? That y'all, he's fired. He yeah. knows he's been gone for weeks, weeks, like the better part of a month. I mean, right, but maybe it, it, he was no, hanging in there. No, I don't know. Tom, I, uh, Herman, Tom yeah. Herman beat Louisville, and he lost to. We should. We should. We should not. We should not uh, really downplay how much of a nail in the coffin. Kansas is not a nail in the coffin. Losing to Kansas is the whole coffin. Kansas is. Like the dirt on top of the it's, coffin. It's the mausoleum. Yeah, like it's the, it's the, like the, a custom mausoleum where you're like, damn, this is bigger than some people's apartment. This is nice, Kansas. Thank you. I mean, I mean, we're we're going to talk at length about Charlie Strong and about Texas because I, I, I procedurally I have no expectation for Texas to not fuck this up because that's just what they've done for the past mm, three years, four years. 
the, the good of, news is they don't have they they have a better situation at athletic director than they did when Charlie Strong came to Texas. Do they? I mean, I they mean, really, they they do don't they? have Patterson anymore. I know everyone hated Steve Patterson, and to he a, was ba- and he was man. bad at his job. Yeah, but and they might have a a slightly better athletic director, but there are so many hands in the pie there, and so much dick swinging that goes on at the University of Texas. That's the one thing I don't think is exaggerated. I think the good things about Texas are probably given too much credit. I think the bad things are probably played up too much. But do you know how many rich people care about what happens at the University of Texas Athletics Department? Too many. One of them died that you know last year. That took a big chunk out of the equation. And there's still too many people involved there. What if we move the Raiders to Austin? Like, the Raiders aren't, don't want to stay in Oakland. And oh, San, hell, Ant- hell no. San Antonio's been thrown around, Las Vegas. Why not move them to Austin? Let's give rich people in the Austin area something else to gripe about and spend their money on. I like this. It's also a growing city. It's also, let's see, costume-friendly. I think a lot of people would be fine with that. Raiders fans would probably have to learn how to wear the white dress shirt with khakis, right? But with the body armor over it, right? Mm-hmm. With the, like, battle armor. And Mark Davis already kind of has burnt orange hair. This is all, <laughs> this is, this is all working. <laughs> it's all falling yeah. in place. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, um... Texas is being Texas. Just when you thought Texas has an easy easy decision in front of it, um, the, a, a coach, a, a, a struggling but popular coach, finally did something that can't be forgiven with his record. You know, if he was if he was nine and two and he lost to Kansas, and it's ah well that sucks. Don't do that again. You know, but it, you, there's there is no defensive. You can't keep him now. And I would like. Texas I would like is to still finding a way to make it weird. I would like to. I would like to offer one silver lining for Charlie Strong, because this sucks for him. And Charlie Strong, generally, I I think is a good coach. I you know hope he can succeed somewhere else. Um, do you know who twenty seven uh, twenty seventeen Texas opens their season against at home? Oh, who? Uh, I'm I'm going to confirm this because I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, it's Maryland. <laughs> and, and all I'm going to say is this. All I'm going to say is this. It's better to get fired at the end of this season than hang on and maybe lose to Maryland to start 2017. Well, I think this just means the next coach really is walking into a dream situation. Like, this, ro- it's a young, talented roster. Um, and you get to play Maryland next year. Sure. They also play USC on the road, so... Well, Lane Kiffin will have those boys ready to go. <laughs> I would also point out a couple of really weird things about this. Because, yeah, you can get mad about how Texas is handling this. Obviously, like, I'm not going to care about that because I didn't have any expectations. Right? And, and I don't... Uh, Charlie's probably already, like, agent lined up. Got the lawyer working. Right? What's his buyout? We got 10 mil? Uh, Something like that. That's that's the never mind. That's the silver lining. Ten mil. Well, I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, after taxes, what? That's only. 
enough money to float you for the rest of your life if you're careful. <laughs> no state um, income tax, as Deion Sanders and Jerry Jones would tell you. Yeah, that's another thing. He got Texas residency. Consider the savings he might have already had. People say, oh, I don't know, man. It's like four years of his life just flushed down the drain. Uh-uh. Tax savings, son. Got, you got to eat a lot of tacos. Can't spell Texas without taxes, which is ironic because they don't pay them. Got to wear a golden hat. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I want to put I want to put this in as positive a light for Charlie as possible. Got a, an office that smells of rich of more rich leather and mahogany than any office in college football. Got uh, baby tigers to come to his office. He did. Maybe the most uh, enduring picture. Of the Charlie Strong era. Then he got Baby Tiger. Godfrey suggested that he bring him back for his last couple weeks, since they're probably like three or four years old now. They're probably each 500 pounds. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're here to move me out? Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I'll be in my car. You can, did you meet Chip and Dale over here? Yeah, they're not Chipmunks. <laughs> that, what else, what else positive happened with Charlie? If you were to look back and go, man, that's... He, a, he beat Notre yeah, Dame. He beat he, Notre Dame. He beat, uh, Texas was back per a since deleted. I think it's deleted ESPN tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beating Notre Dame. Um, he, Notre Dame would be five and six without him. For that, we can thank him because Notre Dame is four and seven. Um, beat Baylor twice. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. That's he ki- he kind of found. I, I think. I mean, granted, he wasn't very good against Kansas, but Shane Bichel seems like he has promise as the quarterback of the future for Texas. Does he not? Yeah. That's yeah, his. yeah. I mean, the numbers have been great all year, except against Kansas, but, you know. He, yeah. has, he, has, <laughs> he has the leading rusher in the country, Donata Foreman, who, who has, yep. who has yep. 1,863 yards, eight more. Than Donnell Pumphrey at uh, San Diego State, despite playing one game fewer. The roster is pretty much loaded for next year. And <laughs> Tom Herman, or whoever, uh, necessary caveat, or whoever, because sure, Texas could fuck this up, <laughs> is going to walk in with a top 10 team. Just face it. Let's just get used to it right now. And then how, much, this- credit, how, much, how much credit do we give to the new coach at that point? I don't know. Uh, no, none, man. <laughs> Like, Absolutely no. not. We'll I mean, I, 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 I've, I've had my heart set on like, you know, you know, Charlie built this roster. Let's not give the new guy too much credit. But Charlie lost to Kansas. Charlie lost to I mean, Kansas. Every, 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 every defense of Charlie, both now and in the future, is. Oh, let's be clear. I don't know how to make it now? Let's be clear. Charlie Strong earned this firing, right? Oh, oh, dude, he took, he, he, there's no way around it. Since he, he cracked out the checkbook at the register to buy this L. Since the big, since the big 12 was born, was birthed into this world as the grafted on swack big eight. Texas has had five seasons where they lost six games. Three of them were the entirety of the Charlie strong era. Like, yeah. like, like the bar, I, 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 it, I feel bad for Charlie Strong, but it's also important to note that the bar was not unreasonably high for this year. If he goes eight and four, he keeps this job. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Felt like it. Okay. I mean, it, 
and and uh you know toward the end it felt like even even seven and five might do it right you know um get, so get so bowl, so but. it's hard it, it is hard to feel all that bad or or bury texas for this all that much because real asking texas to win eight games in a year in a year where they beat notre dame and their other big non-conference opponent is cal like in, in this Big Twelve, if you're Texas and you can't win eight games in year three, you fucked up. I got, I got, I got nothing. You I fucked mean, it, up. It, 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 it didn't work. I got nothing. This this Big Twelve isn't is not good. Look at the out of conference record. Other than Texas beating Notre Dame, <laughs> which doesn't matter. Um, and let's see, Oklahoma State beating Pitt and what's uh-huh. be, like the Big Twelve is well, not and, Oklahoma, good. and o- Oklahoma State beat Central Michigan. Yeah, yeah. As as Mike I don't know Gundy if you, Mike Gundy would like you. Mike Gundy would now like you know that Oklahoma State beat beat Central Michigan. <laughs> they beat they won that game. It's a W. You are. We got here. We got we got Central Michigan. We got Mac Ref Truthers. I got Howard Zinn on my back here. I thought you said. I thought you, for for a while. I thought you were you said Howard's end on your back, and I was like, <laughs> "What's up, Merchant Ivory Armor?" <laughs> no, man. This is a people's history of Stillwater, and I say we beat Central Michigan. <laughs> Why this is that's while I'm this I think the entire front end of this podcast just turned into being super irked with the Big Twelve. Oh no, the the Big Twelve is the Big Twelve is fucking great, man. The Big Twelve has the decency to after you know West Virginia gets effectively stomped in the snow by Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, the only last gasps for playoff participation for the conference, and they still managed to give us a ton of good shit to talk about. It's wonderful. I mean, of all of this, like that Oklahoma State insists they did not lose a game to a MAC team, which, I mean, if it were an actual other conference, sure. But you're trying to, like, get buybacks and rebates on, yeah, we were one play away from beating Central Michigan. That's the worst self-own I have yeah. ever heard from a yeah. major program. Yeah. I'm not owned online. I'm not, I'm not, online. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. I'm not I don't owned by the third best directional Michigan this year. I think it's I think it's funny. Actually, I, I think it's funny. I think we did beat the third best directional Michigan. I'm going to post a, pic, a shirtless picture of myself in front of, of Central Michigan. That's what I'm going to do. This is me with my mullet and my hot rod beating Central Michigan. Yeah, have you seen my wife? She's hot. Hey, check I'm, out, I'm a man. This, I'm 47. Check out this, this news post on Facebook about me beating Central <laughs> Michigan. Yeah. There we go, Oklahoma State. We'll just I actually that did for you. The popular vote score against Central Michigan. It is true. I saw it on Facebook. Please share. Please circulate. <laughs> like I, I like Oklahoma State. Don't make me do this to you, okay? Don't make me do this to you, Texas, because Texas should be pretty cool. You got a cow. You got lots of money. You're exactly what I want Texas football to be. Big, arrogant, moneyed, right? Uh, dysfunctional. You got that, too. But but now you have to go and do this and, like, dick Charlie around when, like, Charlie's clearly like, yeah, I know, I'm out. And everyone else is like, yeah, you're out. And everyone's going to get 10 million bucks to go away. And that's cool. But you but know, instead, you're gonna, you, know uh, who's, you know who's flying easy? Somehow, Cliff fucking Kingsbury, man. I don't, I don't understand it, but <laughs> lost, lost oh, to man. Iowa State 66-10. Do you know how many yards per play Texas Tech gives up to FBS schools this year? How many? 
just throw out a guess. I want to see if you can get. We'll do a Price is Right style, closest without going well, over. It gives gives up nine FBS schools on, on per, yards per play. All right, Jason's gone over. I'll tell you that. Okay, I'm, our yards per play. I'll go seven and a half. It is seven and a half on the fucking nose. You win both showcases. Congratulations. That's never a done. lot. Every you don't need you, the first down. You don't need four downs to be to, to to move the ball against Texas Tech. You don't even need three. But but like Cliff Kingsbury's safe. Cliff Kingsbury's fine. Who who can they get that's better? Really? They're the worst defense in the country. And the and the answer to this question is, well, who can you get that's better? Well, you that's, know, Tommy Tuberville might be available to okay. come back home pretty soon. <laughs> Well, yeah, I believe that the, I believe that the Bearcats, aka the Chick Fil A Binturongs, right? They're they're definitely not going to keep him. Whether he would want to come back to the place where, I believe Tommy Tuberville's wife was involved in a fatal car accident. I mean, not her. Right? <laughs> I was gonna say right. Well, she, this is uh, this is recovered. not a death becomes her situation. <laughs> In some way, no. she was involved in some sort of a situation that does call to mind what you've described. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, by the way, I don't think that was actually a usual or normal event because I don't think she was ever in town. They didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't ever live there, really. Is this like the, right? Ma- is this like the Matthew Broderick killed a person and people don't, a lot of people don't know that? Yeah. Do, do you two know yeah, that Matthew Broderick killed a guy? Kill or killed a, a I, woman? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. In like, Ireland, yeah. Yeah. In Ireland, in like the eighties, after filming Ferris Bueller. Uh, yeah. Sure. And I think ended up uh, with a hundred and seventy-five dollar fine. Yeah, and it kind of like like messed with his. Uh, if you wonder like why why he didn't take off immediately after that, it's it's because he went to Ireland and killed a dude. Like messed up his brain for a while in terms of his psychology, which is fair because psychologically he was damaged. The other person was dead. Yeah. So yeah. Laura Bush too. I think Laura so, Bush totally killed somebody. So, uh, that I, th- listen, I am not sticking up for that. Cause I don't know if that's true or not. And I don't need yeah, that. Well, we lawsuit. got, we got a lawyer on the phone. We can say whatever. We no, want here, shit. If you got any more, just throw them on out. All I'm saying Ryan is will, Ma- Ryan, Matthew- Ryan will get us out of this one. Matthew Broderick's going to be great at Cincinnati. Yeah, um, you gave up 66 points to Iowa State. <laughs> you can't give up 66 points to anybody. Iowa State, now we're talking work of art. This yeah. Is, uh, Can I, when's the last time Iowa State scored that much against a Division One program? Uh, I, I believe they hadn't done... I think that was the most they had ever done. The previous high was something like 64, and they'd done it in like <sighs> 1947 or something. <sighs> Christ. Yeah. So I think this is this is the most that they had ever scored. Against uh, a fellow conference opponent, in Texas addition, Tech needs to just go stand in the fucking corner. I don't know why. Like, I mean, what a month and a half ago, weren't we saying that they should just go full Kevin Kelly and just avoid defense, just get onside, don't punt, just completely change go the way forever. you play football? Yeah. Because <laughs> so they, yeah. that's what they get for listening to us. <laughs> they really, but they didn't do that. They well, didn't they, do they that. Got, they got the defense part. No, they they didn't even try the onside part. No half measures. Yeah. In addition to this, let's just go. How does this happen? Because, you know, people say, oh, man, the Charlie Strong thing. That's just a replay of Rich Rodriguez at Michigan point for point. <clears throat> There's a few other things that people continue to do over and over again that reek of desperation, which two years ago, Kirby Hocutt, uh, that, that would be head of the playoff committee right now, Kirby Hocutt, 
the guy who ran Mike Leach out of town. Kirby Hocutt gave Cleef Kingsbury a contract extension two years yeah, ago. Yeah. Gave him the contract extension, an enormous one. Early, we just said Charlie Strong, who was the football coach for the flagship University of Texas and a public Ivy and one of the biggest, baddest universities in the United States, right? What was his buyout? You said it was 10? 10 million? Okay, yeah. It's 10. He's going to get 10. What is, for Lubbock, Texas's own Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech out in the middle of nowhere – Without the same enrollment and without University of Texas's gigantic, well-logoed money machine, what do you think Cliff Kingsbury's buyout is? I'm going to say six million. Jason, <laughs> um, <clears throat> put me down for eight. Oh man, you are both far, far too faithful to the notion that other humans know what they are doing. It is a buyout of. Nine million. <laughs> That's based off a what? A Cotton Bowl win at another school? <clears throat> I'm sorry, nine point four million dollars. Good on Very the contract. Good, good. That's what's left. Hmm. Johnny Manziel just making coaches rich to this day. <sighs> I mean, you could call Tommy back because guess what? He's twenty one and he was at this point he was twenty one and seventeen at Texas Tech. Kingsbury's twenty three and twenty six. <laughs> and he ju- and he just lost sixty six ten to Iowa State. Oh my god, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 so I mean, you know it's a weird weekend in the Big Twelve when Baylor gets doubled up by Kansas State and we're just like, Yeah, that's fine. No big deal. Small news. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have time for this shit. That, um, also, making things even better for the Big 12, the Houston they passed on just um, took out another top 10 team. Oh, yeah. Spencer, you want you, you might want to speak on that. Oh, on, on, what, on what you say? On, on, your, on your, beloved, your beloved city of Houston Cougars. Uh, yeah. And what's going to happen now? And how badly they beat Louisville's ass since I was in the stands for that? Oh, boy properly the box which you should know houston does not allow you to open the windows if you did not follow the saga i wish to explain it to you very briefly that in the houston press box the press box windows are um there are a number of ways you can do press box windows sometimes they're just old school like open to the side right like a door they just open it's real easy it's probably the way they should do them all there's no machinery involved lsu being lsu they're flossy they have this convertible thing, right? Where they hit a button and it goes, and you have a beautiful open air press box. And then they close. It's like some kind of Bayou Star Trek thing. The University of Houston, their press box, when they redid it a couple of years ago, they put hydro, like those, uh, are they hydraulic? They're the same, they're the presses you see on like a, uh, the hinges you see on a door, right? Like on a screen door when they, they shut, Right. Yeah. All right. So they have those. But the way they calibrated them, they made them far too strong for these windows, okay? Because they're heavy, and I guess they thought, well, we we want them to hold up so that when you open them, they kind of fly out. And the only way way to get them back in is by pulling a rope that's attached to the bottom of the frame. 
Yeah, this is a home improvement uh, project Dad did and didn't really, like, follow all the instructions. I think the the lawyers were like, man, you better make sure those don't fall. (laughs) And the engineer said, hell no. You're damn right we're not going to make them. So a couple of years ago, allegedly, the story is that a radio guy from Tulane said, hell with y'all, I'm opening them. And he grabbed the rope and he opened the door. And the only thing that kept him from falling 30 feet to the seats below were his toes catching on the edge of the work desk wow. for press row, right? So they're very touchy about that. You're not supposed to open the windows. Anyway, a member of the press decided he was just going to open a damn window. And when he did, I got to watch grown men get like super huffy with, yeah, I'm going to open this window. No, don't open the window. <laughs> <laughs> open it. A bunch of extremely thick Texas accents being like, no, I'll open the damn window. I'll do it if I want. And that's, that's your metaphor for the Texas coaching search. Really. Yeah, yeah. Basically the same dudes just with more money. I'm going to open this Tom Herman. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you do it. Don't you do it. I got 20 million that says you won't. <laughs> Fat boy. <laughs> Fat boy. <laughs> I miss Joe Jamel so much. No, you're not. No, you ain't. Just when, we need, just when we need Joe Jamel the most. That's bullshit. <laughs> I want I want undead Joe Jamel to have sway in this so badly since it came up on Twitter that you know he'd come back from the grave to set this all right. Just coming back. That's bullshit. No, you won't. You try it, fat boy. I feel like I feel like this means that would mean Mac Brown back. What candidate could Texas pursue that would cause Joe Jamel to rise from his grave and say, The hell you're not? Brian Kelly? Who Mac, Mac Brown probably. Who? <laughs> I love Mac, but God damn it, he had his team. God damn, God I, damn I, I, I was going to go with Jim Mora, but all right. <laughs> Jim Mora, perpetual rumor guy because um, boosters like him. I'm going to go I, I'm going to go with the one person that I know everyone doesn't like when they meet him and when he interviews. That'd be Dan Mullen. They got Dan Mullen in the booth for this. Joe Jamel will be like, God damn, that young <laughs> son of a bitch came down here <laughs> trying to tell us how to run this. <laughs> Well, listen to a word he says. He doesn't know, know shit. I put my name on that field. How much I got to pay to take it? Goddamn off it. You tell me. <laughs> that's that's we, what that's we need what, you, Joe. We need you. We need you, Joe, so bad. I, but if I can tell you, watching that Houston Louisville game, Ed Oliver is the best defensive lineman in the nation. He's a he's a freshman, and people will say Louisville had a real bad night on the offensive line. They did. They did. There's a reason they had a real bad night in the offensive line. No, it takes two to tango. It takes a partnership to make a baby that ugly. And uh, the daddy in this case was Ed Oliver. If, If Louisville played Alabama... Would you expect Lamar Jackson to be sacked 11 times? <laughs> oh, no, God. No. If no, Louisville I, I, played the fucking Browns, you wouldn't expect that. Well, no. No. I mean, but, like, why did you um, step down? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> um, uh, the, 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 what, what's the, what's the, that, yeah, the Bama Browns thing. That's kind of lost all, <laughs> all, all, uh, all notions of that being an actual step up. But you know what I'm saying. They sacked Lamar Jackson 11 times. A goddamn mid-major did that. My, my favorite thing about watching Houston right now is imagining Ed Oliver as a junior in 2018 playing against 
Tulsa and Tulane and Cincinnati and East Carolina. That's his schedule. He's going to put oh, up 50 God. fucking sacks. I mean, the only thing stopping him from doing that is either a sense of self-preservation or boredom. At one point, he'll just say, man, I'm tired of, I'm just, my arms are tired of wrapping up Tulsa I'm, guys. Hold on, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to take my arms down and see if I can sack you with just my body, like a giant bowling pin being thrown. Like, hey, coach, uh, actually, I, I play tight end now, so just throw me the ball. Okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I've never – and the thing with a defensive lineman who's that disruptive is that all of those sacks, you look at them, and it's not just the ones he's credited with that he had a hand in. There were so many of them where he were, he was double or triple teamed or where they shifted coverage away from them, and Louisville's offensive line was so shook they couldn't even defend one-on-one or they blew simple assignments. And it's not like tackling Lamar Jackson's easy. That's no. the other thing. No, yeah. I mean, sacking goddamn anybody 11 times is crazy. Lamar Jackson? And he was tipping passes. He was, you know, and even when he was out hurt at that point, the, the Louisville line was so dilapidated that, you know, the rest of his talented line mates were still, you know, were carrying on the tradition. Everything Houston, as Bud Elliott pointed this out, Houston did one of the most annoying and brilliant things I've ever seen, which was to run the hurry up, slow down. They would hurry up to the line to prevent Todd Grantham's defense from substituting and then let clock run. <laughs> let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Easy, easy. Easy there. We got, to, we, got, we, got to the, we got to the gate a little early, boys. Why don't we just relax and charge our phones? Why don't you head over to the Hudson News and get you a Starburst? And, you know, like, <laughs> Houston gets to the airport two hours early. That's their offense. <laughs> they did. They just sprinted to the airport two hours early, and then they're like, hey, boys, there's a Cinnabon. Let's let's do some work. <laughs> it's the hurry-up dad attack. It is. It was the hurry-up dad attack, and it was so effective because I don't have many coaches who you go, man, I think he's dumb. Like, I think he's just aggressively dumb, and you can watch him get played on a regular basis. Todd Grantham's dumb. This is the thing you've said that Georgia fans agree with the most on this podcast. I think Louisville fans are starting to come around, too. <laughs> Seems uh, like it. The tight end's open. <laughs> Someone's open across the middle. I will not change. <laughs> I, am, I am resolute. This defense is perfect. It feels like he's the coach, and it's somebody, I think an actual, it might have been Mark Ennis, it might have not, please don't blame me, Mark, if it wasn't you, but it feels like Louisville fans have this notion that he angry blitzes, like he does the frustrated teenager playing Madden thing, <laughs> like, it's not working, <laughs> blitz, punt block, punt block, it's second down, punt block, <laughs> it got blitz, that was, I mean, it was like clockwork, I had a Louisville reporter Two uh, two chairs down. He said, "Oh, here it comes." Hey, got blitz. Open across the middle. Hey, got blitz. Run away from it. Hey, got blitz. Slide protection. Get the running back to block. Put Greg Ward out on the edge. Oh, look, you got man. Yeah, like like that. That was it. And I'm watching it, and I was like, "Oh, this is not fair. It is not because on one side of the ball, Louisville was outmanned physically. There was a presence on the defensive line that they could not scheme around." block or ameliorate and then offensively all they had to do was bait todd grantham into charging 
that was it. Here you go. Look, it's a red flag. How many athletic how many athletic directors do you see do you think saw that final score and were like, oh thank God I don't have to pretend like I'm gonna get try to hire Bobby Petrino? Or Tom Herman. How many of them don't want to shell out Tom Herman, right? Like they saw that. They're like, Texas just blew us out of the water on that boys. Too rich for my blood. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I fold. I fold. I think, it, I think everybody was relieved on that, you know, especially Louisville, because guess what? Petrino can't bolt. Petrino back. <laughs> Petrino. Yeah, well, you, obviously, you know, we haven't gotten the team where we wanted to be yet, exactly where we wanted to be. I think, yeah, Louisville is at its perfect cruising altitude where it can't lose Bobby Petrino. I mean, unless he takes a Texas yeah, we job. We would never put anything past him. You know, Texas, Texas. is just sitting right there. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and, then, and then you know what I want to see. Like if Texas, all right, fantasy world, Texas hires Bobby Petrino, Todd Grantham comes with him. Guess who Todd Grantham has to scheme against? Bill Snyder. All <laughs> oh God! That's funny. Why do you why do you keep hitting yourself, young man? <laughs> so much anger in you. So much anger. Woo. I like this. Is what is a 75, 77 year old Bill Snyder? Back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy eight year old Bill Snyder running rings around That's you, funny. Todd Grantham. I can't wait to see it. And by the way, if I if I call Todd Grantham a dumbass, that's exactly what Mark Rick called him on film. Mark Rick. This is true. After Todd Grantham um, got into a, a, a heated fight with uh, James Franklin, which sure, James Franklin, intense dude, but hey, that yeah. th- th- this is a very uh, seamless transition. Y'all want to talk about how Vanderbilt beat Ole Miss by three touchdowns? Um, you know, I still don't understand how that happened. I didn't I watch a second of it. Do you know the last SEC team that Vanderbilt uh, beat by three scores? Oh, oh, who? Florida in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. That game. <laughs> that game. That'd be, that'd be a Will Muschamp special. But no, no, no. It's okay. Will Muschamp's got it figured out now. So that's fine. Yeah, I don't really... I watched this game. I did. And uh, I, I could not tell you how this happened. Other than this, Kyle Shermer was really efficient. Ralph Webb ran for 123 yards, and they made some big catches, crazy catches. I have not seen Vanderbilt receivers get big third down catches like that ever, ever. Not even. There was also a play where. Um... I think Hugh Freeze called a timeout to ask for the play to be reviewed. It was, uh, as my, my hazy recollection of what what initially happened was that Vanderbilt, um, I think, was stopped on third down, but they thought that the player had fumbled and that they had recovered the fumble. Upon further review, uh, they did rule it a fumble, but they also ruled that Ole Miss, uh, the player who recovered the ball, was standing, had one foot out of bounds when he got the ball, so it was not going to be Ole Miss ball. And because they reviewed this play, they found targeting against Ole Miss. So it all it all went great. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was also one of the weirdest fumbles I've seen. Yes. As if the ball just dropped dead. It was like a 40-pound football. It just... Uh, Oh, as as if he had, as if the ball carrier had just been hit right in his head. Yeah, as if, and just dropped it like it was a forty pound medicine ball. Boom! And so and it now, didn't, yeah. it just sat there. So now we get to watch Hugh Freeze 
play Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, and the loser will be at the bottom of the SEC West. For the second time in, what, four years, the Egg Bowl is for bowl eligibility? Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. And, and yes, Mississippi State can make a bowl at 5-7 and seven because their APR scores are good. Mississippi, The state of Mississippi has excellent academics. Don't look it up. Oh, that's the but, other thing. Va- Vanderbilt, by getting this win, they effectively are going to be bowl eligible at even if they don't beat Tennessee in the last game of the season. And we can talk about whether or not that's going to happen because Tennessee is doing some interesting things on one side of the ball. And the other side of the ball is just like, nah, you got this. No, we'll be over here. Yeah, but even even if Tennessee wins that game, five and seven Vanderbilt going to a bowl game. Yeah, I enjoy Vanderbilt fans truthing me on that when I was like, "Oh man, this is for a bowl game," because that's exactly what Derek Mason's going to say. Derek Mason's not going to. Derek Mason's just going to be. You know what? Hey, coach, we're going to a bowl game. No, we're not. I did like. Um, I, I think it was during this game. One of they were mentioning this very uh, issue, and whoever was doing color commentary was like, "Yeah, but you, you know, you don't want to get in as the five and seven team. You want to do it the right way, because you know, sending your players uh, on through school and getting degrees is the wrong way. Good to know." <laughs> that's a funny way to put it yeah yeah you want to get to shreveport louisiana the right way for a game that players will be compensated with an extra 50 dollar best buy gift certificate or whatever yeah, yeah you want to do that with the utmost integrity and pride i remembered something else that stood out uh, i'm gonna go way back to the kansas texas game uh so overtime starts they go to overtime the referee does his you know explanation coin flip but as he does he says gentlemen great game so far and to kansas i'm sure that's exactly what they thought and to texas i'm sure they were like are you fucking kidding me we're going to overtime (laughs) against kansas um i would also like to point out something in a different realm that that happened it's a big moment i hope we all appreciate it after 14, I believe it is 14, might be 13, but after 14 scoreless quarters, the Cincinnati Bearcats put up a TD. Ooh. They might have lost, lost 34-7 to Memphis, but they won the battle of the mind. You know, um, you know what American team did not put up a touchdown? Uh, oh, who? <laughs> the Yukon Huskies. <laughs> Yeah, and how many did they give up to Boston College? They lost. They lost thirty to zero to Boston College. Boston fucking College. What the hell happened to you, Bob Diaco? This was a good weekend for um, really pretty coaches who are employed for unclear reasons between Cliff Kingsbury and Bob Diaco, and and um, and Todd Graham, I guess. Yeah, very very attractive man. Yeah, eight eight first downs. To a certain yeah. to a certain age group, Todd Graham is very attractive, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he is. Can I give you can I give you my the other fantastic stats in that game? UConn, four turnovers. Wasn't like they weren't trying to do stuff, which is really sad. Four turnovers, eight first downs, 121 total yards, and though time of possession is a deceptive stat at best, let's just throw this out there. Boston College had the ball for forty minutes. Um, Boston College only punted three times. What the fuck? Well, yeah. they're out of punts. They they need to go to the store <laughs> buy more. That's why they finally scored. They were just like, mm, boys, we're down to three punts. Better save them. 
Yeah, Connecticut, yeah. Connecticut finished with negative six rushing yards. Boston College at 154. Um, whew! Fun times. Fun, fun times all over the country well, this week. While we're taking a belly slide through the piss trough of college football's worst, Penn State Rutgers, Rutgers man. It's bad. And I don't mean like Rutgers. I mean, when I say it's bad, it's not even like, you know, wacky slide whistle, throwing the ball backwards. In a, <laughs> no, no, there's some of that. There is some of that. A little, little bit of that. You know, they, they're not entirely uncharitable. They're not above bloopers, sir. But <laughs> most what of it is, yeah, is just, it's, it's all blooper reel. Where's the outtake? Most what of do it's, I, what do I cut here? <laughs> most of it's just resignation. If you watch it, it's a bunch of two-yard passes. <laughs> like this this was the emptiest crowd I think I've ever seen outside a Georgia State game. The end of this game. There were like 100 Penn State fans, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, they had 87. Rutgers. Um, so Georgia Tech famously beat Cumberland College 222 to nothing. Um, and that was with all sorts of gigantic advantages. And it was basically like a D1 playing a D2. This is an actual FBS school that has lost to Michigan, Michigan State, a very bad Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State by a combined 224 to nothing. So yeah. here, I, I will provide some perspective here. Uh, Rutgers currently is sitting at, let me pull it up, negative uh, 244 points point differential. That's bad. But Washington State in 2008 under Paul Wolf, minus 405. It can be way worse. It can be so way, way. And, and, like, and like that Rutgers team, Paul Wolf won two games that year. That wasn't a winless squad. They just got Yo, pummeled whenever they lost. There's, there's bad and there's bad football, mm-hmm. and there's really bad football, and then there's Paul Wolf. What I what I what I really like about um, about that Washington State season is uh, their first one of the season against Portland State. They won by thirty nine points. So so it's not like they just had uh, bare you know barely eking out wins. They they built themselves a cushion and they blew it all. It well, good. as we've learned from Washington State. Losing the FCS game is is, is what yeah that's true that's what activates your power it's sort of um uh the FCS school is the robber in the alley and this season is your parents and he shoots them and then you become mm. Batman is that right did I do it right uh, yes I, yes I mean kind of I would just I'd call them the dude who needs to take a shot in the face in a bar fight before they wake up. Right? Okay. Like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Oh, big Mike. Oh, it's like, now. oh, it's like that now. I thought this was a church <laughs> picnic. B- big Mike just got his ass kicked by little Mike. <laughs> now he's ready to fight. Yeah. Now we're burning down the bar. Yeah, that's that's Wazoo, right? Needs to take a couple shots before they really wake up. But, but. You said it's rivalry, rivalry week. The worst fucking phrase in the world. Apple Cup. Apple Cup Apple is cup. here. Apple Cup. And it, and it, and it means something. It means it, it means a hell of a lot. It's fierce. I I love this rivalry game. I would by the way the the Apple Cup to to frame the Apple Cup properly for you. I, I want to take you to a, a a bit of the history of the Apple Cup. That would be 2002. 
You ready? This mm-hmm. is to show you one how rivalries can work in long cycles, and two how many drunk people there are at this game every year. The silence was palpably throbbing. That's quite a lead by Ted Miller. Wow. Referee Gordon Reese turned on his field mic. The click was audible. The 95th Apple Cup had lasted four hours and nine minutes and three overtimes, and Reese was about to ensure it didn't last a moment longer. So basically, a pass that gets thrown backwards may not have been backwards. There's a fumble. Uh, the Huskies charge the field after upsetting their third-ranked rivals. Keep in mind, Washington State at this point, 2002, ranked third. We just talked about a 2008 team that had a negative point differential of 400. Life comes at you fast. So fast. Most of the Washington State players quickly left the field, refusing to shake hands. Some remained. But this is my favorite part of this. Reese explained his call. Cougar fans heard differently. To many of them, Reese had said, screw you, I'm going to steal this game for you with a lousy call. Go Huskies. For every action, there's a bitter reaction. Then Ted Miller writes, thunk, plunk, wham. A few bottles were hurled toward the field, and then a whole bunch followed. We all go berserk. Huskies offensive tackle Khalif Barnes were called. Things were great, and then I started dodging bottles. UW receiver Reggie Williams was hit by a bottle. Outside linebacker Greg Carruthers' father was hit by a bottle. So was Tacoma News Tribune Huskies beat writer Craig Hill. A Seattle television reporter barely flinched when a cup of beer landed on his head while he interviewed kicker John Anderson. I was worried about my mom, UW quarterback Cody Pickett said. She was wearing my jersey, and I was like, Mom, what are you doing? Put your coat back on. It was crazy. That's why I love the Apple Cup, because not only were they throwing bottles, UW fans were throwing bottles at their own athletic director because they could. That's why. Because she was the one who ended up hiring Rick Neuheisel. That's that's why they were throwing bottles at her. And this was back before it got bad. This is when things were actually okay they thought things were bad they had no idea mm-hmm. oh they would soon find the depths of bad you talk about 2008 we the go in there <laughs> yeah i mean that was when things were good man then everything falls apart and you get the crapple cup one of the worst rivalry games or best i don't know you want to expound on this jason circumstances were amazing <laughs> uh the teams had uh, one one total win End of the season, last game of the season, one total win. I don't know what much more you need to know here other than one of the drunkest rivalries in the country, the two worst teams in the country playing for absolutely nothing. Well, this is this is that that minus four oh whatever I said. That's that Washington State team. And that's them winning against who is it? A coach, I'm sure, who has been lost to history and is uh, plays no important role in college football now. Well, that'd be Tyrone Willingham. Oh, oh that's to, right. How many playoff uh, committee members are we going to name tonight who've made excellent decisions? <laughs> did did yeah. Kirby did, did Kirby Hocutt actually run off Leach? I thought he he's, was at Miami. He's. he's uh, I, I believe it was. Uh, I think Hocutt is involved. All right. Anyway, anyway, y'all look, y'all look that up. Yeah, we, we ain't got time. Email Spencer. But, but email I, I would, Spencer with I, I, the details of that, if you would. Thank you. I would also put it this way: that uh, it wasn't Hokut. Actually, it was a different. It was a different. It was a different functional functionary. Okay. Actually, no, it was. I'm sorry. It was totally Hokut at Texas Tech. I was wrong. I was wrong about my own rightness. 
the 2008 Apple Cup, the score was 16-13. Uh, it, it was 16-13 in two overtimes. Yes! That's the good <sighs> stuff. That's the good stuff. Um, there is a Pac-12 game we should talk about. There's a couple now, Pac-12 games we should talk about. Which one? Uh, we're, uh, we can we can start with the uh, the well played one for the entirety of the game that had a big play at the end, or the poorly played one that had a big play at the end. Which one do you want to go with? Uh, let's start with our. Maybe let's follow our style. Let's start with the poorly played one. Uh, hey Utah, let's talk. Yeah, buddy. Utah, yeah. um, Utah, you lost to Washington this year, and that's okay. That was a well-played game. Washington needed every second of that game to beat you, needed a special teams play. Perfectly respectable. You have two other losses this year, Utah, and they are to Cal and Oregon. And I want you to think about that and come back when you have an answer as to why. Mm. Can, mm. We re- can we rephrase? You have a loss to Cal. That occurred because Cal had a goal line stand. De- defensive stalwart, the Cal Bears. <laughs> yep. Did you forget that? That Cal won a game on a goal line stand? And, and, and you have a loss to Oregon because you couldn't run the ball that well against them. So, or, um, is Oregon actually okay? No. 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 We, I, li- I literally said this. <laughs> like, when you... When, when you no, look I, at the schedule, it's yeah. hard. Like, who's the second worst team behind Cal that Oregon has lost to? Who's the best Nebraska? team that they? Who's who's the second best team that they've beaten? Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the talk about a collection of quality losses. This sure, might be the best the best pile of quality losses of the playoff era. <laughs> they, <laughs> they 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 kind of fucked that up by beating Utah, but. Nebraska, Colorado, Washington State, Washington, uh, and Stanford all all ranked. And then that you, throw would be, in, you throw in Cal, but that, and, that'd USC, be, and USC. That'd be somehow nine win Stanford. That's right. Yeah, Stanford That's right. Laughed at Stanford, and uh, I mean Stanford's pretty much Stanford. Things were rough for like a week or two. Stanford had a normal Stanford season. Exactly, like 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 aristocrats tend to do. Yeah, you're like, oh look. They're, they're floundering so, and at the end of the season, it's like, <laughs> the yacht's so <laughs> splendid today. I think the Stanford fan would say, like, the market corrected. Yep. yep. Yeah, the market corrected. <laughs> the bubble burst on Stanford doubt. That's what happened. Uh, the, cow, the cow bubble burst. <laughs> yeah. Utah, I don't know what you're made of or what you're doing or how that happened, especially when you have Joe Williams at tailback. TLDR, what are you doing when you have Joe Williams back there? The game you were talking about, the actual good one, that I enjoyed all the way through, probably one of my favorite games to watch this year. A pleasure. 38-24, number 10 Colorado. They are 7-1 in the Pac-12. They are 9-2 overall. They're awesome. Colorado is legitimately awesome. We do not have to make this up. We do not have to buffet them with compliments. They are 9 and damn 2. And they did so behind a dude who I am totally going to put on a Heisman ballot. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to put a single Bama player on it. I'm going to put Cepho LaFowl on there. Because Cepho LaFowl is the reason that they are 9-2. and two. Like, ran for over 100 yards, passed for 345. He was incredible. 
is a monster, and he's the reason they managed to beat a really good Washington State team. Another fun thing to say in the year 2016. An awesome Washington State team. He's also, I mean, you say he's the reason he's 9-2, and two, and that's true of the 9. It's also kind of true of the 2, because those are the two games where he really couldn't play because he got hurt. Yeah, they were hanging with Michigan until he got hurt. That's totally true. Yeah, we could have avoided this entire flirtation with Michigan being in the playoff if we had just kept Cepho LaFowle intact. Also, that USC loss, 21-17, that looks good for both of them now. You're yep. like, hmm. Yep. Perfectly respectable. And, USC, Col- and, and Colorado, Colorado still controls the Pac-12 South. They can still get to the conference championship game, potentially play Washington if Washington beats Wazoo. And and then I don't I you know I, there are all these different schools of thought about you know whether you take a conference championship and under what circumstances and blah 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 and if you just take Colorado in a vacuum and you take away all the name brand shit and all the sort of what we thought they were going to be and you just say do they check the right boxes if they beat Washington. That's a huge win for them at the end of the season. They would be a conference champion. If you want to reward teams for scheduling tough out of conference, they went to Ann Arbor. Like, there is a, there is a weird thing. And it's not, look, I know it's not going to happen, and I know I'm just talking nonsense at this point, but there is some um, academic case to be made that Colorado should be closer to a playoff spot now than anybody is considering. No, they're, yeah. they're, they're not out of it. I think looking just quickly eyeballing the schedule and the potential schedule with the Pac-12 title game, it looks like they could be 6-2 and two against bowl teams, which isn't that great. But if, you know, if, if a little bit of crazy stuff happens elsewhere, they're, they're not out of it. Yeah, both losses on the road, both relatively early in the season. It probably They are probably hurt by the fact that Utah gagged away a winnable game against Oregon. That would have, it would have helped them to have another like top 10 opponent on the schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, I listen, I know Colorado is not going to make the college football playoff and that may, that may well be because they can't beat Washington and that's fine, but who the buffs are fun this year. Yeah. And, and a, a, a joy to watch, especially because Mike McIntyre gets like, so, so just dang district manager proud of his employees after every game. Like, Oh man, I knew we had that retreat back at the Galleria, the management one. You know, we did the karaoke. I knew we were going to be great. One of the most, one of the most buying in and out for players, coaches. Guys, I I'm so excited. I'm I'm getting everybody double order of cheese fries at Dave and Buster's this weekend. It's going to be great. <laughs> Colorado <laughs> is two wins away from the Rose Bowl. That's that's real and true. <laughs> can, can, wow. can I can I can I tell you? Can I tell you somebody who is six inches away from what they wanted to happen? God, this is, this is my wife. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> We're all the way back around on Borat. Uh, that's, the, that's the last movie Jason's seen. Um, no, I've, seen I've seen people on Twitter quote it ironically. So it's okay. <laughs> okay. That's what um, I was doing. Yeah, go ahead, Spencer. Just rip this band aid off. Will that be LSU? <laughs> Oh. Too well, we're too scared to play. Oh man, just just you saying them like oh so, <laughs> gives me gives so, me a fright. Gives me a fright. Just so scared, so timid. Just working that weather machine. 
<laughs> reading all these articles telling me exactly what I wanted to hear that Florida was too scared, far too scared, terrified of playing LSU. So that's why we moved the game to Baton Rouge and played you with nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's no one. No one's healthy on this roster. There was a banged up freshman, Tyree Cleveland. He had 124 yards receiving. You know why? I don't. I'm asking. I don't know why. Well, yeah, because they pretty much they pretty much all came on one play. Florida yeah. had a had a 98 yard scoring play. Uh, how many yards did they have the rest of the day, all told? Oh, they were 270 total. Yeah, so Two, so, so LSU, LSU outgained Florida by a whopping margin, 423 to 270. It looked like it too. Yeah. Florida was inert. Uh, just, a, just a veritable fountain of punts. LSU was well was way better on third down. They were much better yeah. running the ball. Um, mm-hmm. So they won this. They, they they won this game, right? No, they man. No, because they had they had five red zone possessions. And how many points did they score in this game? Ten. Ten. That you ooh, averaging two points per trip inside the twenty. That's bad. Two and turnovers. It, yeah, it's not even some like, oh, we missed a bunch of no. No, you just you just didn't do it. Yeah. Should have won this game. You're all you're all teed up. But unfortunately, Florida was so terrified, so mortified at the notion of playing this game that they stopped LSU on third and goal. And then they stopped them again on fourth and goal. Do you know what's truly, truly fucking baffling? The concept that if Florida doesn't get that stop and LSU scores and kicks the extra point and wins 17-16, that Ed Orgeron's fate is different. What a, like, dumb... It doesn't mean the rest of the game didn't happen. It doesn't mean this wasn't, like, LSU playing down to an opponent that they should have been able to handle and making stupid mistakes and not take, you know, like, it, it doesn't erase any of it. Is that really how how fickle fate is, that it it literally came down to that yard, and if they get it, Ed Orgeron is on track to be LSU? LSU! Not, I mean, ugh, I just don't understand sometimes. No, that was it. Remember, it makes total sense to hire him if they score and beat Florida a team that they outgained in every single category who looked like dog shit most of the game. It makes total sense to hire Ed Ogeron. I like to think, I like to think that Bill Stewart may, may he rest in peace, reached down from heaven and pushed LSU back be as if to say, Ed, I've been here. You don't want this. (laughs) It ends with, it ends with some spectacular mistakes on your part. It ends with you being replaced by a man who you will later attempt to rat out as a rowdy casino goer. That won't go well for you. Even though you'll be right. Even though you'll be 100% right. You'll be totally right. But yeah, but yeah, that's how you'll lose this job. So, congratulations, LSU. You lost to the most ter- you lost to the most terrified team in college football. It takes seven passes to beat LSU. We now know that's that's this that's how many licks it takes to get to the center of this Tootsie Roll pop. Yeah, although really awesome work. I believe is Marcel Harris, twenty six. Watch him on that last play. Tosses a dude aside, gets in, 
and wraps up on guys like a toddler clinging to its mother, keeping him the crucial six inches from the end zone. And and what did is I, uh, remind me Florida's uh, Florida's reward for this hard fought victory? Oh, we get two. It's a double holiday. We get Yay! to play Florida. We get Yay! to play Florida State. Yay! And we get to play Alabama. The opening line for which was Alabama by three touchdowns. That's no. I mean, that's yeah. That's that's more than fair. Like if I'm if I'm CBS, I'm I'm suing Las Vegas right now for all of the lost television market. All of it. That entire second half. Jesus, you couldn't you couldn't just do fourteen? You do us a fucking solid. We know what's gonna happen. Can you just claim you got the two of the two of the one switched around? Also, twenty one seems low. Twenty one. I don't know because you know. <laughs> okay, just... okay. Listen, it, it's not as though Florida is healthy. It's not as they though lose... Florida is healthy, but flawed. That was the case last year, though. What was the yeah. score last year? It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was over after a quarter, but it they, wasn't. They lose. They it lose wasn't a runaway. They start rotating freshmen in. Lane Kiffin starts dicking around. 29-15 last year. Our, yeah, our new, man. Injured Florida. They get bored. They get so bored. They're also, so that tired. had better team ratings than LSU, Georgia, or Mizzou, Alabama in the SEC championship. So, don't worry. You'll, there you go. You'll pull your own pull Hooray. Your Hooray. I mean, what? You it think had double the TV ratings of LSU Georgia a decade earlier. If we're eight points better than the University of Tennessee Chattanooga mocks, damn, <laughs> good. Because Alabama only beat them 31-3. Huh? Well, that'd be 11, buddy. What's wrong, what's wrong with your face, Alabama? 31-3? <laughs> you anemic? Do you need please, a steak? Please don't. Please don't harass them right now. That's not please. what we need. Please don't encourage we are we already have to deal with Bud on Twitter for the next week. Mm, that, no, no, he can talk. I, I, they could they could reach up and get bit. I'm I'm convinced that guy. <sighs> Florida State's not that good, y'all. Beat, um, really beat LSU once and you're walking tall. We've we've uh we've got almost an hour without no, talking. Remember, El- yeah. remember Alabama's a machine, Florida State's trash forever. Okay. Uh let's talk about trash machines. Ohio State, Michigan is this week. <laughs> do, do you like passing? Too bad. <laughs> oh yeah, this is gonna be the game where every Big Ten fan is. If this were an SEC game, we'd be calling it defense struggle. But because this is a Big Ten game, everyone hates it, and they would say that as every SEC fan is watching it without complaining. This is yeah, Big no, Ten like, football. No, is- I'm gonna swallow a meatloaf hole just to prove that I can't. You don't have to do that. There are other more exciting ways. No, man, you're a coward. Put on a sweatshirt. Players can see their breath, so therefore every SEC fan is curled up in the corner screaming. I'll see you're at the tanning salon. <laughs> oh, God. For Considering you all have the smart schools, like, what is with the forced human discomfort? What's with the notion that being cold is cool? Like, that's not, it doesn't, I mean, like, look at other cold countries and tell me you think they're like, super badass and tough like no one's ever like man luxembourg luxembourg sweden sweden i mean you know there's sure you're like yeah Finns. okay well that one's that one's like, <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah that one's like <laughs> canada 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 why don't, canada. Why don't the tide ever play toronto 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really look at the United States and think, when I think of toughness, I think of Connecticut! Yeah, I mean, that's not... I mean, why y'all, why y'all trying so hard? That's I don't I don't get it. I don't get it when you're like, what would an SEC fan should, think if they saw this at a football game? Should Alabama schedule a home and home with Minnesota just to shut this shit up? <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. You really want this to happen? <laughs> we'll play the coldest fucking game you got. Go ahead. Let's play it in March. Don't care. <laughs> That's it. You know what? It's and it goes both ways. LSU went up and they lost to Wisconsin in Lambeau when it Probably was because perf- it was too hot. When it was perfectly warm. That's that's yeah, that's great. I want to hear Big Ten fans being like, "You just can't handle the heat up here." <laughs> the humidity, Wisconsin humidity. That was notorious Wisconsin humidity. It's the beer mist, the, the, the dry, down. the dry air. Gotcha. It, I mean, the cold weather thing is you're the goal. You're the guy playing Goldeneye who can only win with like remote mines or something. No, man, this is the only way. This is real Goldeneye. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. We'll watch this happily. It's awesome. I love like. Snow started coming down on the field, and that was that was great. West Virginia, Oklahoma were at it, and all of a sudden, like you're in the middle of a blizzard. Fantastic. Dana Holgerson looked even ruddier and angrier and messier. He even looked more. I woke up under a bridgey, thanks to the <laughs> snow coming down. <laughs> wait, wait. We we like this. I don't ever understand other conferences being like, well, you know, here's our brand. Kiss the brand. That's not me. That's fine. You want to say the SEC is trash? You want to say playing in the heat sucks? You know what? <laughs> being, yeah. being at a game. It's bad. Being at a it's, game. Yeah, it's It's, it's, it's terrible, and I don't recommend it. The so plumbing SEC in our stadium's fans. not good, and the, the field floods. <laughs> yeah. SEC fans for the August Nooners next year just need to talk so much about <laughs> You don't play Louisiana Lafayette at noon at 11 a.m. Central. Do you know how hard it is to maintain? Do you know how hard it is to maintain focus when it's eighty-eight degrees with ninety percent humidity and you're up forty points on Charlotte? You've never been in the stands at one thirty in the afternoon after housing half a cheeseburger pizza for breakfast in August. It just means more. <laughs> it just means I like more. That we've made every Big Ten fan sound like Macho Man. Or something. <laughs> is that is that? A- that's not our Midwestern. Accent. I don't. How'd I don't. That we, we've. We're, this is tough Midwestern. It's different. Um, okay. But yeah, we get to see John O'Corn go up against Ohio State. Uh, y- yay! Oh man, there's going to be so much awkward fumbling. So much awkward fumbling in this game, and it's not. It'll be great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It won't be pretty. It'll be everything. Like ultimately, we were talking about how Todd Grantham always buckles down. And immediately starts throwing like multiple a gap blitzes and freaks out and has like an emotional tantrum on the field through his play calling. When things get tough, Urban Meyer just goes to his offensive line and just attempts to throw them into a brick wall over and over again, which is a great strategy if you have uh, Elf Line and the rest of Ohio State's offensive line. So I hope he does that because ultimately that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to headbutt Michigan unconscious in the third and fourth quarter. Does either team throw 25 passes in this game? No, 30. Let's make it 30. No. Okay. No. No. Not happening. Uh, I think I think I think Michigan tops out at 20 and Ohio State 
might might get to 25. Okay. Yeah, no, that seems right. That seems right. Um it's yeah, yeah no, it'll be it'll be fun, but it will it will be it will be uh just watching two people try to kick each other in a parking lot as you know that thing where like you're pulling two people away from each other and they try to kick at each other. That's what that's what the game is going to be this year. I have one more result I would like to cite. This is really for Jason Kirk's benefit. But in the battle of Kie, Kie Moss, Georgia, Georgia State again upsets Georgia Southern. I don't even understand a single word of that. Georgia State is on a 2-0 and run. Georgia State, a program that no one really knows why it exists, is on a 2-0 and run against the former greatest FCS dynasty of all time. There is now a rivalry trophy that it's the Billy Joel of rivalry trophies. It says rivalry series <laughs> on it. And it's the only State, thing that wasn't trademarked. <laughs> uh... I don't, I, um, the Georgia State just fucking fired his coach. And they're like, there's a highlight video. They said it to, um, Drake, you ain't from, you ain't from the city or whatever is the line. Um, you're from Nat Town. Uh, and the highlight video, there's no one in the stands. A team no one cares about owns Georgia Southern now. How? Why? Yeah. By the way, Georgia Southern might not have their coach either. They, they're, they'll pull the plug on a person fast. Oh, they, they've demonstrated before. Frank no, no. they like, will fire a head coach after one year if you a lose and b fuck with the option <laughs> yeah chris hatcher chris hatcher they they did that to him too i don't think it was one i think they he got two years maybe but georgia southern will fire your ass that's low-key the least secure job if they don't like you right i think they'd fire somebody who had like 10 wins just gonna be like nah nah next yeah, next. It's like there's like a ideological purity to the Georgia Southern job. Like if you're if you're not winning conference titles and whatever every year, you better be running the damn Paul Johnson offense because if you evolve it, you know, if you try to modernize it, who buddy you better fucking win. And and then that ain't that ain't happening at the moment. Here's what I will say. The Paul Johnson offense can sit on a 17 point lead. And and hang on, win a game, right? Oh yeah. I think Notre Dame needs to hire Paul Johnson based on this Virginia Tech result. I wanted to close with this, and I am so glad you read my mind <laughs> because I saw on the score watching other games. Saw you know you're like, mm, mm, that's twenty four fourteen. I'm pretty sure the Hokies can come back for that. Nope, nope. But you know, it got worse. Got worse. Notre Dame went up, and then they weren't up anymore. I, I mean, you you know who literally held on to a big lead against Virginia Tech earlier this month was Paul Johnson. <laughs> yeah, funny. It's amazing. Um. Yeah. Every every Notre Dame loss this year has been by one score, and and it's been to a variety of teams. Some of which are can be can be characterized as good ish. Uh, you got your Stanford, your Navy, your Virginia Tech in there. They all qualify in that. Uh, you got Texas and Michigan State and Duke and NC State uh, as well. But you got, all of them, all of them, and, one loss. And, all of them, one and, score losses. And you have Duke. Duke. Well, you know, this so is, this, uh, this is, by the way, I mean, they blew a 17-point lead here. 
and that's crushing. But at least they got to do it in Blacksburg, right? Uh, got to just get out of there, get on the road, and you know, give give the Hokies something to smile about, right? I mean, no, that's not. You know what this what? season is? This season is all their bullshit wins from the 2012 season. They're paying back on those. They're finally there's, they're finally making good on those. There's a little bit of that. There's also, I mean, I'm going to say this just to cover our collective asses. Um, whatever Nebraska was last year, Notre Dame is that this year. So if they come roaring back and win nine games last year, yeah, we saw it coming. You can't hurt us. You heard what Ryan said. Notre Dame is four and seven. <laughs> <laughs>